everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I am joined today by a special guest on the Weekend Warm-Up Podcast, a voice you know quite well, Tom Adams. Tom, it's great to have you back on. It's been a long time since the two of us synced up, and uh, uh, way too long, if you ask me, so I'm glad to have you back. Dude, it feels like it's been like freaking eons. I would have used a different word there, but I don't want (laughs) to you know, have to slap the explicit language banner on our podcast but like holy (laughs) crap like it feels like it's been forever especially in this covid world where time just seems to like shape shift constantly (laughs) sometimes five days go by super quick sometimes they stretch on for what seems like forever uh but yeah like i'm glad to be able to link up with you i know your life has been pretty damn crazy as of late in the run into the holiday season here which we're almost at the tail end of and you know, you get you get all my sympathy, all my empathy <laughs> for being, you know, Mr. Managing Editor, uh, podcast host and uh, hashtag super dad over there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because this is supposed to be like a relaxing time for me, but it has been anything but relaxing <laughs> at this point. Just about everything that could go wrong has go has gone wrong for me. So uh, <laughs> it's just uh, it's one of those things, Tom, I'm going to survive this holiday season and uh, it'll probably be, I'll probably be helped in that survival by a lot of alcohol, especially over the next couple of days. So let's just get right to it. Obviously, Tom, all of the podcasts we have in our network here, we've talked about the Hinrunda to death. And I think that you would agree that like it was a very successful Hinrunda for Bayern Munich. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann came in and did a fantastic job. I don't want to carry on too much about it, but if you could just quickly give me your thoughts on how you think things went and where you see this team heading into the Rook Ronda and how you think that they'll be able to perform there. Yeah, there, especially with Julian Nagelsmann in particular, I know even amongst our own site and podcast, there's some varying contrasting opinions on how Nagelsmann has done. And I have to say personally for me, I think he's met and, and slightly exceeded expectations with the amount of injuries we had you know, still cycling back and and fighting ways back from all the guys that were at the European championships, the internationals, having just finished a crazy congested schedule because of making up all this time from the outbreak of COVID uh, in 2020. I really thought that there was uh, all the hallmarks, all the writing was on the wall for a lot of things to go bad with the lack of personnel at the beginning of the season. Uh, But if you really fast forward to now, take everything into consideration the Joshua Kimmich drama, how, how much we've missed him, uh, injuries to Goretzka, injuries to Niklas Zula, his future is still up in the air, injuries to Kingsley Coman. Just everybody seems to have been banged up. Pavard wasn't ready in the beginning of the season. He had an injury. Uh, Josip Stanisic, who I, I think I just tweeted about the other day. I, was, I think it's gone a little bit underappreciated how oh, well sure. he stood firm in the beginning of the season because I remember even being like, oh, God, like here's a name not as familiar with. Uh, like this, this is going to be bad. And I thought he did quite well. Um, he yeah, did. I, I he, he, he really is a success story. If you think about it, because how many youngsters have even come through the Academy and have been able to make this level? I mean, I'm talking about youngsters that have spent a significant amount of time on campus. I mean, Jamal Musiala was there for what a matter of months, really, before he kind of graduated to the first team. But Stanisic is really a success story that the club can point to showing that you can actually make it because, there aren't many good examples of players lately who have, who have really made that journey through the academy to the first team. Yeah, and if you, a lot of it too, Chuck, was out of necessity. I remember I was double-checking a few little uh, semantics, you know, factoids yesterday, 
at the time of recording now that it was yesterday I was asking you on Slack. I'm like, hey, like refresh my memory. What was the situation with uh, Martin Demichelis, Danny Schwartz? You know, why did he um, go off and do his own thing? And you hit me with the details and it just clicked in my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like after we started training after the two month break from COVID, like Hans C. Flick out of necessity, he called up a bunch of guys. Right. And like that's you want to talk about uh, youth players and reserve players being integrated with the senior team. It's like even then some of them were noticed almost like not by accident, but by happenstance, like had the pandemic never have happened and we were on the normal schedule. Like there we would be not... no Joseph status. <laughs> Seriously, man, like we might not have gotten that look, but like we were the walking wounded. Uh, we were dealing with everything at the time. Lewandowski was just coming back from that knee capsule injury that he suffered against Chelsea that season. So like all those moving parts, I think we can just kind of, ha- kind of have to sit back and say, you know, that was the silver lining among other things. Obviously winning the treble right. is, is another uh, silver lining and getting Lewandowski back when we did, but even still, yeah, just to, to kind of tie that thought together with all the things that we've had to take into consideration. I think it's been a good season. There's been those rare blemishes, obviously the five mil at, Minching Gladbach in the day of call getting knocked out early. Uh, once again, is definitely not what uh, Oliver Kahn, our front office, and Julian Nagelsmann had in mind. But, you know, those matches happen, and the susceptibility for those ma- types of matches, those, uh, those doozies to happen in a season that's so congested still, uh, you know, that, that's, that, that susceptibility is always going to be there. And, you know, that egg got cracked, and you know what? We responded well. I remember like tweeting several times. It's like, we just always seem to do very well responding to a loss and especially like an embarrassing or a shocking loss that nobody expected. And we did just that. And what is it? Uh, nine points ahead uh, yeah. during the winter pause of Borussia Dortmund. That's another story. I think some of our rivals have just completely floundered and that's definitely played into our hand, but we we've took care of taking care of business, excuse me, on the business end of the season. Um, and I think that's why we are, where we are uh, slightly combined with, you know, Dortmund floundering, uh, Leipzig just not getting it right with Jesse Marsh and, and completely floundering. And now we've got some surprise teams up there. You know, SC Freiburg up in the top four, Bayer Leverkusen are, are hanging around, knocking at the door, Patrick Schick knocking at the door of Lewandowski yeah. <laughs> in the Tor Yager Cannon race. But yeah, Chuck, I'd have to say I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very much uh, the optimist, whereas some listeners, they might say, uh, I need no name is a little bit of the opposite, but <laughs> we do need that balance here at BFW. I mean, you have to, you have to call it the weak points where they are and, you know, highlight the negativity when it needs, when it needs to be. But yeah, I, I don't know if you agree with me, Chuck, but I'm, I'm very happy with where we are. Very pleased with Julian Nagelsmann and everything he's dealt with and, you know, how he's progressed. And I'm very much looking forward to the Rukurinda, uh starting just one week's time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I even wrote about it this week. I, I don't think that Bayern Munich is in a position to where they need to do anything with the squad. And that's something we'll touch on in a second here. I think that right now, the way that Nagelsmann has them playing and the way he's using his personnel, he has pushed all the right buttons and he's got them in a position to where that they can only achieve success at this point if they stay healthy. And I think that the players have responded to his tactics. They've responded to his player management style. And with all that combined, he's just done a fantastic job. And while if you put a gun to my head, I would still probably pick Hansi Flick as we saw in our round table on the site this week. Uh, I'd still go with Flick as my guy. Uh, I have no complaints with Nagelsmann. I mean, yeah, there's some things that we might look at tactically and disagree with, but I mean, the results are what they are, and he's been pretty fantastic. So uh, 
I'm a fan. I like what I'm seeing. And hopefully they can continue this run of success throughout the Rook Ronda. And one thing you said, Tom, that I really agree with, with Borussia Dortmund and Arbe Leipzig really just not playing up to their capabilities. Uh, it's been really nice to see like SC Freiburg and Christian Streich come up and, and play so well and really, you know, put some pressure on these bigger clubs uh, it's been really great to see that. I mean, if I had to root for another Bundesliga team, I, you'd be hard pressed to find another one better to root for than Freiburg. So I, I enjoy the success they're having. Uh, I hope they can keep it just like Bayern Munich in the Rook Ronda, but that will be one of the fun subplots to watch for sure. Oh, 100%. And I, I have to say, I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere strike was coming up on 10 years to the date. I think something like that, mm-hmm. since he's taken charge of Freiburg and the, uh, Man, the highlight clips they have of that guy. You know, if you're <laughs> a fan fantastic. of Jurgen, Jurgen Klopp and Julian Nagelsmann and, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, mannerisms, those kind of mannerisms, so to speak, wearing a heart on your sleeve strike is definitely someone uh, that you can find many, many clips of if you haven't already. And obviously, I just always remember, uh, was it Eintracht Frankfurt? The, someone knocked him down. <laughs> the, the slow-mo version of that video yeah. i'm only laughing about it because i know he's completely okay and yeah hurt, but, um, the slow motion angles of that were just absolutely priceless so, absolutely priceless so quick story uh, as you know tom i i had written for a newspaper for a very long time just as a contract worker and one of the things i, I do is i'll cover high school american football games so uh, typically, I'm either in a press box or down on the sideline, but I would say about 23 or 24 years ago, I was down on the sideline, and I was pretty good at staying out of the way of any collisions or any tackles that spill out of bounds. Like I was still pretty nimble back in the day, so I could either jump over any bodies flying or juke out of the way or throw a kid in front of me that was on the sideline. Anything <laughs> did not get taken out. But one day, I was in a position And I was in a spot where I just couldn't move. And when those bodies flew out of bounds on the sideline, my legs went out and they just took me down. It was one of those things where like, I'm sure to the people that were in the stands, they were like, oh my God, that guy just got taken out. But it was, it was so funny. I was laughing as I like slammed into the ground because (laughs) I could see it all coming toward me and there was nowhere to go. I was surrounded because I was on the sideline by players. And nobody could move. We were right near the chain box, and it was hilarious. But that's still to this day the only time I've ever gotten taken out on the sideline. So, and I'm um, sure with your age too, this is just well before the dawn of slow motion cameras and video. If there was video of that, I would pay good money to have it for sure. (laughs) I would too. Just and I would I would promote a campaign as aggressively as we promote the Nico Kovac. 99 Luftballons yeah. lost eight from the, uh, the, the club, the fan club visits a few seasons back. Absolutely. We still, that is still my life's mission, Tom. If we do not get that tape, I'll be disappointed. I will die unfulfilled. <laughs> That's for sure. So Tom, one of the things that has, I mean, this week has been filled with so much nonsense, so many rumors. There has not been a lot of team news. Uh, obviously with the boys, all at home, all probably packing on a few LBs from eating too much. Um, (laughs) You know, they're probably enjoying life a little bit before they hit back on campus on January 2nd to get things kicked off. But the almost the entirety of the news that's come out aside of Robert Lewandowski and his trip to Dubai and is the award ceremony for the Globe Soccer Awards. Um, You know, Lewandowski generated quite a bit of content 
for all websites with that, some of his quotes and just the overall ceremony. But the big thing has been transfer rumors and it has been insane where we're seeing names that we had never seen previously attached to Bayern Munich all of a sudden showing up. So I wanted to take this time and bounce some of these names off of you. Now I'll go on record first as saying, I don't think Bayern Munich needs to add anybody. I think that they're perfectly set up how they are. I think they've got great depth. I think Julian Nagelsmann knows that he does not want too big of a team. And he might be teetering on the edge of that right now, given how many good players he has who aren't seeing regular playing time. So I don't think they need anybody, but we'll take a look at some of these names. And I just want your thoughts on what you feel about some of them. And the biggest one, Tom, that we've seen, Leeds United winger Rafinha, who, listen, I don't watch too much Leeds. I know what people like you have told me. I know what I've read, and I understand he's a very talented player. I get all that. The price tag of 50 million euros, uh, not so much. And I don't think they need another wing. But, Tom, you watch a ton of English football. So tell me, what do you think about Rafinha? I do. I do. And as much as I am a huge fan of his, I do agree that this kind of came out of nowhere. And especially at a time when, you know, most of the headlines surrounding the narratives for buying transfers are revolving around, you know, uh, the board is saying we never we we don't plan on making a move for Erling Holland at any point. Uh, Then they'll flip flop and say there's a shred of you know possibility Mm -hmm. that that might happen. Uh, Are we going to extend Lewandowski for another two seasons? so much just revolves around those two. And this one just seemed to like pop out of nowhere after our front office had remained pretty adamant that there really wasn't going to be any incoming business, at least during the winter transfer business. I know we might get to some outgoing transfer business uh, just a few moments. I think most Bayern fans know by this point that there is going to be some outgoing business uh, on our end, but I think he's a fantastic player. You know, bleeds have been very unfortunately with COVID outbreaks and injuries. I think, you know, in their 4-1 loss to Arsenal recently, they had to field a 15-year-old, which is pretty ridiculous. I think he wasn't ridiculous. even <laughs> someone who regularly starts on on the reserves or uh, one of the youth teams, if I recall correctly. But Rafinha is an all-around fantastic winger. And I think uh, coming to a league like the Bundesliga and a team like Bayern, if that were ever to be a realistic possibility, what I like about him so much is his ability to play on either flank as a left footer. He's very good at um, taking people on, winning free kicks, uh, the quick change of directions, I guess kind of like a combination of uh, someone like Kingsley Coman, and I'll even uh, dash out a former Brazilian name of Bayern Munich and Philippe Coutinho, since he is Brazilian himself. Um, I know that Coutinho had a very short-lived stay here, but kind of those similar movements where it's those quick changes of directions and tight spaces. Uh, you know, a, a big guy like me who takes longer strides, like, like Steven Gerrard esque not to say I'm ever anywhere near him, uh, but that's lofty not necessarily- comparison there, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, just to make my point, it's like the you know, player like me, I'm like, there's players that are just not good in those tight spaces. They can't unlock situations like Musiala would be a great example of someone uh, similar who's able to unlock, you know, dangerous situations from tight spaces where you think all is lost when he's getting yeah, close. He, he's down incredible and- at that. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. And I think Rafinha is very much that same type of player. Very, very pacey as well does have an injury history with that hamstring uh, as I know as a longtime fantasy owner of his, but, <laughs> but I, I've said this for two. I seasons, knew there was Chuck. a tie in. I knew there was a reason you liked him. <laughs> uh, he is, he is class, man. He, he usually almost always gets an attack in return. And like Eve, you can assure 
I think even a few weeks back, uh, it was Chelsea. He scored a penalty. He's on penalties because Bamford's been hurt. So, um, and Rodrigo, I think, has been hurt as well. So uh, you can always guarantee if Leeds score, he's probably going to be involved. There's a very, very highly high uh, likelihood that he's going to be involved in the scoring for Leeds. And uh, I, I've said this for two seasons, Chuck. Now I think he deserves to be playing on a better team, whether that's in the Premier League uh, or somewhere else. I don't know. But yeah, the price tag is definitely the point of concern for Bayern. Do I think in the overall landscape of the transfer market for the Premier League, as it pertains to other leagues, he is worth that much? Uh, I, I do. But that that being said, worth that much for a club who is in need of a player like that. Right, I, I think right. that we can all say that with Leroy Sané 2.0, so to speak, on that left flank, uh, Kingsley Coman is having a bit of a resurgence, in my opinion, this season. I think he's been quite yeah, strong I think he's been in the second too. half. Serge Gnabry, uh, uh, to me, is kind of hot and cold, but he's just too hot when he's when he's hot. Like I. I especially because he can even play on the left if Sané gets subbed off or is being rested. He can play on the right uh, as well. He doesn't seem to have as many issues transitioning from either side. He's just way too good of a player. There's no reason why Bayern should be looking to supplant him. But as much as I like Rafinha's class, you just you always have to uh, equate it to the relativity and like the feasibility uh, at Bayern, and it just doesn't seem like that's the case. Unless something pops out of thin air and, you know, uh, come on and is – entourage pull a fast one and he wants to get out of here because don't forget chuck this is that is pretty much why he temporarily hired uh was it zahavi or yeah 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 because he he wanted to go to the premier league his father was adamant that he wanted Coman to go to a premier league side and when zahavi didn't make that happen he said all right you're gone it's so funny with Coman. my theory with him is he doesn't want to leave Bayern munich that he likes being there he likes i i think he's just comfortable there but I think his entourage really is pushing him to go for the biggest payout. And this is where it becomes very difficult for a player who's represented by his family and a family friend. Uh, you know, what the player wants is not necessarily going to line up to what the family wants. And we've seen it so many times, whether it's with football or you could go to America and you could see it in baseball or basketball or hockey, where you see when families are involved, it often does not end well. And I think for Coman, he's never given any indication that he's unhappy, that he doesn't like Bayern Munich, or even that he really wants to leave. A lot of the statements we hear from him are pretty vague. You know, well, I'm thinking about a future in the Premier League or something of that nature, but we never hear him outright say he wants to leave. So I think this is a lot of, I think it's a lot of nonsense from his camp, to be honest, but we'll see, you know, how he reacts to it because. I don't know. It's, it's very difficult to say no to your family and he may be in that position. So we'll see what happens with him. And like you talked about with Rafinha, he has so many good qualities, Tom, but uh, I just don't see the need. And I would say the same thing about uh, Anthony from Ajax because he's been another name that's been linked to Bayern Munich, but again, he's a winger. He has a lot of the same qualities as the current players on the roster, which would make him a pretty seamless fit, but does Bayern Munich really need to go out and spend any money for another wing? And I think you and I both agree that at this point, it's just not worth it. But one position where some people might feel like uh, Bayern Munich needs to spend some money is at right back. And Tom, you and I haven't even discussed this name before, but uh, Serginho Dest is obviously one of the biggest names on the market right now. The latest rumors say that, that, 
Xavi wants to bring him back to Barcelona and get him right and get him back on the right track. But we're still seeing reports pop up out of Spain saying that Bayern Munich is still interested in Dest. Um, Dest is one of a couple of defenders that Bayern Munich is looking at. Another one being the FC Dallas defender, Justin Shea, who has done some training at Bayern Munich, but it now is rumored to be looking at teams not only in the Bundesliga, but also in the Premier League. So at right back, Bayern obviously has Benjamin Pavar and Josip Stanisic, who I think have both been pretty good. And I know Pavar is, is a player that a lot of people are split down the middle on. I, I'm on team Pavar. I don't think he needs to be this offensively great right back. I think he's playing the role that Nagelsmann wants him to play pretty well right now. But when you see Dest, Tom, do you think that's another acquisition that would be worth it for Bayern Munich? Or do you think that's just piling on talent that could be a headache down the road? For what it's worth with the everything that's happened in the past 14 months, I think most people will remember that he was heavily linked with us. Was it this past summer or the summer before? Uh, I, I think it was this, this summer before. Yeah. It was when, uh, when Flick was still around because I think Flick was rumored to like Dest, but who knows if right. that was true or not. Um, uh, along with Norwich City's Max Aarons. Those right. were like the two big uh, defensive targets that Byron was after. And he ultimately said, you know, he came out and said he always had his heart set on Barcelona. You know, this was before their, well, it, their financial collapse may have very well have been unfolding at the time, but right. it wasn't publicly known. He didn't how help. bad how bad the situation was. And, yeah. you know, Bayern was another club. It was pretty much between Bayern or Barcelona when it came down to it. And he chose Barcelona. So for what it's worth capitalizing on the situation, sitting back and assessing everything that's gone on, we very well might be able to get him at a premium based on everything that's happened because Barcelona are in a situation where, even I was left scratching my head when they announced the acquisition of Ferran Torres from <laughs> Manchester City. I'm like, how is this club spending any money right now? Right. Right. I mean, they are in such dire straits, but now we see they're looking to offload uh, potentially guys like Dest, uh, Usman Dembele, who said Coutinho. he's not going to renew his contract. <laughs> Coutinho, I feel terrible for the guy. Uh, should, I should have just listened to Klopp. He said, you stay here. They're probably going to build a statue after you one day. You go somewhere else or just be another player and you know, look at what's happened. Liverpool has a Premier League winner's medal and a Champions League winner's medal. <clears throat> Not going to take my own horn <laughs> too much there. But, you know, I, I think that situation pretty much describes itself. And Coutinho is a fantastic player. And, you know, I hope he lands on his feet somewhere. But, but Chuck, with all that considered, you know, if we're able to get him for cheaper than he was being touted for back two summers ago, that's not a move I'm not willing to make. That's something that's definitely going to interest me, and I'm sure Hassan Salihamidzic will be looking at that too. Uh, and Chuck, you're also forgetting a little bit of a elephant in the room. And no, that's not a fat joke, <laughs> even though we've had uh, hashtag Fat Zula uh, in the news before. But Chuck, he's been a, a pretty damn good right back when he's had to feature there. I agree. So, yeah. so I would say that a lot of this also hinges on his future because he seems to be the one that's that the clock is ticking. Um, at its tightest, I don't even, I was just trying to make a phrase, <laughs> but he has the shortest clock left on his contract. It's ticking. We still don't know what the hell is going on. We hear different rumors about it every other week. So many of us, I mean, you'd be hard pressed in my opinion to find Bayern fans that are in the camp of, yes, just let him go sell yeah. and, and uh, you know, move on from it. But I mean, I desperately want Bayern to hold on to Nicolas Sula, especially 
for part of the reason, uh, as I just explained, is how well he's played at right back when he's had to play there when both uh, Benjamin Pavard and Yosef Stanisic are not available. Like he's almost shown that he's a better right back this season than he's a uh, center back. And, you know, with how well uh, Luca Hernandez and Dial Upamakano are doing, I mean, you know, why not always just use that as a realistic possibility? And I know Nagelsmann knows that, you know, he's, you don't have to tell him that, but so a lot of, a lot of the, the dest uh, decision-making would depend on that for me, Chuck, but like, I, I just don't know at this point what is going to happen with Nicolas Zula. Yeah. And, and another Trump card in the whole situation is, you know, with Nagelman's for Nagelsmann's formation, like right now it's it's considered a four, two, three, one. But in reality, I mean Benjamin Pavar, if he's at right back, functions more like a center back than he does a right back. And if Bayern were to acquire Sergio Dest, would that allow Bayern Munich to just go straight to the back three if they can retain Sula, or they could move Pavar to formerly as a center back and, and use Dest as a right wing back? It does give them options. So I could see Byron looking at that and thinking about it. And if, if you know, Brazo is really consulting with Nagelsmann and this is a plan that they have to eventually transition to a different formation, I think it's a move they should definitely look at. But if there's no plan for that, I'm standing pat. <laughs> That's where I'm at. And I did want to bounce one other defender's name off of you. Obviously, we talked a little bit about Justin Shea, but I don't think that that's a realistic possibility for him. Like why, if you're a young player, why would you come into a loaded backline situation? I mean, Byron has two pretty damn good defenders out on loan right now. And Chris Richards and Lars Lucas, my, so I, I wouldn't make that move if I was Justin Shea, but uh, we've also seen Matthias Ginter connected to Bayern Munich. And, you know, we've heard the rumors Brazo doesn't necessarily like him, but generally everyone else at Bayern Munich does, uh, that would be interesting mostly because he's a free transfer. And if Nicholas Sula does leave, that would give Byron again, some options, a flexible player along the back line. Would you have any interest in him as a free transfer, Tom? Oh, hundred percent. And I was just going to say right at the end there, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. All you really need to say is free transfer and <laughs> right. potential of Nicholas Sula leaving, right? Like why not have an experienced uh, Bundesliga player, you know, kind of replace uh, Nicholas Sula if he does go and, you know, this is a, a great auxiliary option too. You know, we're talking about all these lineups as if, you know, every, I mean, with the, uh, I say the word ego, but you do have to have a bit of an ego and confidence in yourself as a footballer mm-hmm. comes with the territory, but you know, it's, it's not as if these guys realistically think that every single match of every competition, they're going to be in the starting 11, right? especially now, like the post COVID or, post outbreak of COVID world where all these matches are so congested uh, across all comp- competitions, right? You, you can't, I mean, that's only, that argument can only go so far. Like, oh, well, if we bring in X player, then Y might not start every game and X might not start every game. Why would they agree to that? I think that there's a little bit of realism, especially with someone who's in Ginter's position, right? Leaving on a free transfer, uh, a little bit of an older guy, been in the Bundesliga for quite some time. He's experienced. He knows it. He knows he would be joining Bayern Munich. He probably would know going into it that he's not going to be the bonafide starter. But uh, from a squad planning perspective, having an auxiliary guy like that to have to, to fill in and to step in and to rotate in would be absolutely fantastic, in my opinion. And I think I think he's a professional that would 100% understand that. And if that's something that he's willing to do, um, I, think it, I think it could definitely work. And I see him... I don't know what it is, but I just see him working very, very well uh, under Julian Nagelsmann. But 
so much of this uh, pendulum revolves around Nick Lasua, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and it's funny, like when you talk about Ginter being able to handle that situation, I guess it could go one of two ways. You go the Ivan Perisic way, who took a step back at Bayern Munich, was basically a reserve, even though he was still a starting quality player and had a fantastic season. Any Every time that he was on, it seemed like he was making contributions. The other side of that is Marcel Sabitzer, who has not handled this situation well at all. He's a player who doesn't look like he can be anything but the alpha. Yeah. And that's Which was even more surprising because of the continuity yeah. of the experience with Nagelsmann at RB Leipzig. Yeah, he looks like a completely different player. And, and to me, the move for Sabitzer isn't working out. That's that's something I specifically am going to keep an eye on the second half because I think he's a fantastic player. I just don't think he can play at Bayern Munich well, now. And that's the other thing, Chuck, right? So the honeymoon period for Sabitzer, even though we got him for a great rate, is still going to be a little bit shorter from the price tag than it would be for a free transfer. Would you not agree? So that's sort yeah. of the luxury uh, from our point of view is like, uh, I mean, would a low weight, not, not completely conflated and high wages, free transfer. Okay. If it doesn't work out in the first three months, like what did, what are we really losing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely see the point. And while we're talking about the midfield, Tom, the other name that's kind of, this might be aside of Ginter, probably the biggest name that Bayern Munich has been connected to is Dennis Zakaria from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Zakaria is a good player. He's, I think, defensively a very solid midfielder. But I, again, I can't wrap my brain around why any midfielder in the world would want to come to Bayern Munich when they have Joshua Kimmich, when they have Leon Goretzka, when they have even an out-of-form Marcel Sabitzer. And that's not even touching on Quarantan Tolisso or Mark Roca. I mean, like, I just don't, I, I can't put my brain around why Zakaria would even consider it. And maybe he's not. But the bottom line is Byron, at least what it, to what has been reported, has put in an inquiry to him about him coming to Bayern Munich. Well, I, I think he's a class player as well. And it's funny. He's one of those guys that ironically just always turns it up against Bayern. Like <laughs> pretty much like 90% of Mitch and Gladbach for whatever right. reason. They just play like gods against Bayern Munich <laughs> and then flounder uh for consecutive matches afterward in the Bundesliga and slide down the table uh but you know here's another thing to look at too it's like how much of this is you know the the player agreeing to come uh to a club where they're going to have walls up in the form of players like Land Goretzka or Joshua Kimmich and how much is this of this is you know it, even still right like you hear coaches say like the crest, the badge on the front of the shirt is a thousand times more important than the name on the back. Right. Well, it, I know it's funny. It's great say, in theory, but people, people, people <laughs> the application say, is tough. No, I was just going to say people will say, but Tom, it says FC yeah. Bayern Munich on the back as well. But I, I mean the number and the name. Right. Uh, is what I mean by that. I, I didn't really think that through when I was starting that, but I got the same. I mean, it's, it's okay. The, <laughs> that six and that pivot, I mean, it's not guaranteed for Kimmich and Goretzka. Like if, like if let's say Zakaria were to come in and he's putting in you know better performances I, and training, I couldn't you know, I couldn't even see those two being supplanted. I couldn't say it. I can't. Well, it's it's uh, I guess the point I'm getting at is a squad incentive. Do you yeah. want like are we really appreciative that Mikel Cuisance has been you know training with these guys and and challenging these guys, or would we rather have someone like Zakaria in there, you know, cracking heads and and sliding in and you know making challenging a bit more difficult for these guys and 
Also, Chuck, you didn't mention uh, Taliso, who's more than likely going to be on his way out, at least by this summer, unless something changes uh, on, on that standpoint from what yeah, I hear. He, he, everything he's I'm as reading. good as so, gone, I think. I mean, you can't. And it's like, as we saw, granted, you know, uh, not playing because of not being vaccinated probably won't be an issue for Kimmich next season. Uh, you can't guarantee he's going to be available for every single match, for every single competition for 90 minutes. You yeah. were even the one calling for. Uh, oh, I pump, want him rested. Pumping, Absolutely. Pumping the brakes. I don't know if it was you. Maybe it's. Yeah, it was me. Kate. It was definitely you said, me. Uh, you say, hey, Kimmich, don't get the shot and you'll get some rest. And that, maybe that's what he did. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, start, we'll start vaccine gate at BFW, <laughs> but I, ironically enough, he did wind up getting this massive rest. Well, you know, it, it's funny because that's why, like, I want Kimmich to rest. I want Goretzka to rest because I think Goretzka is injury prone at this point. Like, I, I just think he. He, he tallies so many little injuries. Like, I get why they need a third-quality midfielder there, I, and I understand that. That's what I thought Sabitzer was for. But he clearly is not able to handle this role, at least right now. He's proven, to me anyway, that while he's a great player, he's not a great player that can handle taking a backseat to anybody. And, I, I mean, you know, I worry. Opinion, I think if you keep – if Kimmich is still there at the six, the rest of those guys – can be kind of interchangeable, but I do agree with you. If it's not Kimmich at that six, the other guys seem to fall short. Oh, totally. He, yeah. As I mean, he's been discussing. He is the engine in everything. So I, I get how vital he is. I just don't, again, my whole brain, I think always think from the player's perspective. Like if I'm Zicaria, I look at Kimmich and I'm like, all right, German national team, everyone loves him. Even the anti-vaxxers and the vaxxers love <laughs> They all love his stance at one point or another, but everybody likes the guy. There's not a ex- club executive in the world that doesn't drool over the thought of having Kimmich. So I don't know why anybody would want to compete with that. Even if you, every like you said, Tom, every athlete has this ego, right? Where they think they are the best, that they can walk in and just take a spot, but that's not happening. It's just not for so many players. So I mean, with Sakari, we'll see what happens. I don't think that's a realistic play just because of that, because I think he's too good. Just like I said about Sabitzer, I think he's too good to take a back seat. And I think if Zakaria wants to look at anything, he can just look at Sabitzer and say, all right, well, he's getting irregular playing time. He hasn't adjusted well. Why would I want to go join that mix? So, yeah. I mean, that's just my opinion. The, the I mean, last, go ahead. Tom. I was going to say, I was just going to say too, real quick, like not that it really matters for this particular situation, I think it's a different situation when it's uh, guys that would cost a considerable transfer fee. But I was just I was discussing with someone uh, at work. I was like, I wonder how much these front offices are like planning for, um, you know, like, do they do they try to look at their budget and potentially look at like auxiliary players they could bring in because of like COVID? Right. right? We've seen like Liverpool. Um, you probably had seen Jurgen Klopp. He went on the vaccine. Uh, rants about mm-hmm. he thinks it's ridiculous that certain players haven't done it and how teams haven't made sure uh, their players and staff aren't 100% vaccinated. Uh, Liverpool is 100% vaccinated, and then they had uh, four or five asymptomatic cases. So like Henderson, Thiago, uh, Fabinho, Van Dijk, uh, I think one other player missed the game against Tottenham, and like we were lucky uh, not to lose to Tottenham. So it's like I wonder it, like how much that planning goes in. It's like. Uh, with a lot of these variants that are showing up, it seems that you can still get it. And I don't know if the footballing leagues in Europe are going to take the same approach as the NFL, where it's my understanding. They look at, uh, 
uh, something to do with viral load, but I guess if they're vaccinated and not, not having any symptoms, they, I don't think they test those players. I don't know if we're going to see a shift like that. That's up to those governing bodies. But like Chuck, if you get that sort of question, like uh, do they, when they're looking at squad planning, do they look at those auxiliary options that say, Hey, like any given week we could have like five to six players yeah. unavailable or something like that. And you know, it doesn't matter if it's against Borussia Dortmund or against uh VFL Bochum, like you've got to, you've got to get the job done with what you have available. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things where I'm sure that the clubs are planning for it, but I'm also hundred percent sure that they do not want to extend their budgets to have to carry more world-class type players. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah I'll be, obviously it's not going to be like a Zakaria <laughs> or someone yeah. of that stature. We're talking you know, lower, lower ballpark of like, uh, wages and transfers. Right. I mean, I would hope at some point, like if Byron had a midfield crisis, they would call up Taylor Booth and give him a chance or Torben Ryan, just because those have been the two most heralded midfielders. But I guess hopefully we never have to see that scenario. And this is all just a ploy for them to uh, get me <laughs> yeah. my license and get me over yeah. there. So I can, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, go play a couple matches for Bayern. That would be, that would be a classic moment for BFW. <laughs> we would have officially made it then the last couple of names. I'll just quickly blot out Ricardo Pepe. We know that Wolfsburg is, is essentially the leader in the clubhouse to, sign him. So I think that that's probably going to happen. Even if Byron makes a late charge, I think that that's going to go down and Tom, the craziest rumor, then this just broke and it's probably nonsense, but Julian Nagelsmann is supposedly a huge fan of Manchester United's Donny van de Beek. So I, again, why would that guy want to come to Byron Munich and face another situation where he's probably not going to play? I don't know. I don't get it, but that's, <laughs> uh, that's man, just, I would, I would just joke and say, hey, maybe his chances would be better since in the Bundesliga you can do five subs instead of only three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's honestly, and I feel bad for him. Even yeah. even as a Liverpool fan, I hate Manchester United. I, I do feel bad for him. You know, all the clips of him throwing his chewing gum, his uh, his warm up jumpers off after a third sub has been made, and he realizes he's not going on. Uh, I yeah, I, I do feel bad, but hopefully, maybe with uh, Ranić being there, he might get some more minutes. Hasn't very much. So been the case thus far. I know they did just have a COVID outbreak. They had to train. They had to, uh, excuse me, close Carrington, uh, their training ground for, for several days, which Ronick was complaining about. But um, yeah, I don't realistically see this at Bayern. No. But for, if, I mean, for Pete's sake, I hope that guy winds up somewhere, whether somewhere, it's still at yeah. Man U or somewhere else <laughs> where he gets, he gets minutes and he can showcase his abilities. Yeah, he needs a change of scenery for sure. Uh, you know, the other, I don't know if this is even big news, but uh, Nico Kovac at Monaco. Uh, I haven't seen it officially announced yet, but a lot of reports are indicating that he's about to be sacked. And the initial stories we saw indicated that he had lost the locker room, which we reported on. And it seemed kind of fishy because if you've seen the videos of him celebrating with the team last year, and you, like I don't follow them closely, but I follow enough to to read his quotes after games. And just, you know, to stay in touch with that whole scene, because we do cover the alumni. And I never got the impression there was this mass unhappiness with the roster at Monaco. So that didn't that didn't really strike me as as being too factual. But then we did see that there is uh, kind of an issue with this new sporting director there where Kovac is not really aligned with much that the new sporting director wants to do. So. With that, now we're seeing that that could be the reason why Kovac 
is on his way out the door. And while, you know, we do focus on the alumni, this is important for Alexander Newble as well, because Kovach was a big proponent of Newble. And Newble is getting a lot of playing time. But if you read the French media, they're not overly thrilled with his performance. So if Kovac is sacked and if that becomes official and it could be official right now, and I haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, I think uh, L'Equipe and uh, RMC sport two big tabloids. I've seen it both uh, confirmed pretty much on, on both of those places. I think it's pretty much as good as done at this point. And then they're even trying to say Jesse Marsh has a sniff. Of, yeah. yeah uh, that, replacing him, which would just be crazy. This whole that would be inter- crazy. interconnected web of, uh, Bundesliga and former Bundesliga managers like musical chairs. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something for us to keep an eye on. If you're a Bayern fan, obviously you've been following Manuel Neuer being excellent, you know, and doesn't look like he's slowing down. Newble, I think, is going to have to move on after this season just because, I mean, it, I, one, I don't think Monaco is going to keep him for the second year of the loan. And I think he has no intention of being a backup to Manuel Neuer. Well, so, how interesting that could get too, because Torben Hoffman is is doing quite well at Sunderland yeah. as well. I did. I saw him play in Philadelphia when when Byron played Juventus. So I can say I was there early on with the uh, you knew the you Ron Torben Hoffman train. <laughs> so it's like Chuck. We had this uh, whole goalkeepers web, right? Uh, Newble and his <laughs> agent um, Bax is it Alexander Bax. Or yep, Stefan Bax. Stefan Bax. Yep. Bax right how I remember this, but just maybe writing so many articles, but it's like pressing for a move, like forcing the issue. Um, and then Loris Carius was even linked to come in and be a backup to Manuel Neuer. Then we finally get Sven Ulrich back. Now, Chuck, like refresh my memory. Was it, was it Christian Freuchtel who was really pissed about not playing and was very vocal about it? Or was it somebody else? So, uh, and then like he, he forced, he forced a loan somewhere and then hardly played. Yes, uh, that was I think he's back, back with the reserves. Yeah. And, so, and, and so like it's this whole web of keepers trying to get more minutes. And now potentially uh, with Hoffman doing well, uh, Freuchtel playing with the reserves and Newble doing well, presumably he won't get dropped by whoever takes over for Monaco. If they don't get their loans extended, uh, Hoffman and Newble, that is, they're all going to come back and wind up in the same spot. Mess. See, hey, Neuer's just going to be, a, hey, welcome back, boys. There's the bench. The, the only one that's playing this all right, aside of Neuer, because he is the best to ever do it, is all right, because he just sits back. He collects a nice paycheck. He has to <laughs> practice. He works out, keeps himself in shape. And then he just gets to hang out and watch games. He's right on the sideline. It's great. That is a great life. I mean, that guy, he is like the prototypical backup quarterback in the NFL. Looks good, doesn't have to do much work, has a great living, awesome life. He is the, he is the winner in all of this, Tom. It's not Neuer. It's not Nubel. It's definitely Sven Ulrich. The better question is, is he on holiday right now and where is he? <laughs> he, does, he, he can do whatever he wants. He could go on holiday next week, Tom, because they're not going to need him anyway at this point. <laughs> um, so with that, Tom, you and I are going to venture into something that I know that we're both huge fans of. And the season just ended of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Tom, what did you think? Because I was 100% satisfied with the season. I thought it was great, but I always feel like Curb is great. I, I honestly, like I had so many laugh out loud moments just watching the show. I mean, what was your impression of the season of Curb? hilarious and this show what amazes me about this show 
is how much I get out of the simplicities and those little nuances that just like make me laugh so much that is a big part of the reason, obviously, of what so many people loved about Seinfeld uh, back in the day. Obviously, for those who don't know, for whatever reason, Larry David was a writer of that show and he plays himself uh, in Kirby Enthusiasm. He's the main character, but it's even a little bit sentimental to me. Like I wasn't as much into the earlier seasons. Uh, what was this season 11? I think then, so. I think it is too. And then season 10, it was like just in its midst when COVID first broke mm-hmm. out. And I vividly remember um, the day they announced like gyms had to close. And I came home that night and my parents were watching it and they got me like really into it. And so that was something we all enjoyed together. And then I was able to go back and watch the previous episodes of that season on demand. Just hilarious. The back and forth, like I, I tell you on Slack, I'm like, Chuck, did you watch it? Did you watch it? <laughs> uh, like the back and forth between uh, Larry and Leon, I think is like absolutely hilarious about how Leon is always teaching him about these like little uh, nuances <laughs> about people in his age bracket. And, you know, Larry's adapting to it. Like, I just find it so hilarious. One of my favorite things is like uh, Jeff, you know, he wants oh, to get great. his wife that, ex- that expensive yeah, boss from the store. And then the Bill Hader plays all those like yeah. Eastern <laughs> European dudes. Like, didn't you, weren't you just the guy from this restaurant? It was like a, a goulash restaurant, a, uh, a hotel, um, consigliere, whatever, not, uh, is that what you call it? What is the, like the, the consigliere is in the mob. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, it, what am now I? Now I'm drawing for? a blank, Tom. Oh my God. Uh, con- concierge. concierge concierge yes we're both idiots because we <laughs> it's probably too yeah. late to be recording this podcast if we can't think of concierge yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no bill Hader's character was not in the mafia i, I, can, <laughs> I can assure you that but yeah, like bill Hader played a bunch of these random eastern european dudes they uh you know larry and jeff thought it was the same person and uh <laughs> larry i think he offers to uh buy a new vase because he winds up uh breaking the new the uh, expensive one that they wind up buying and they have this whole little bit about uh, indecent gestures. And he's like, oh, you're supposed to say, like, I don't have to pay for it. I just offered to pay for it as an indecent gesture. No one ever accepts the indecent gesture, right? It's like inviting someone somewhere just to be nice, even though you really don't want them to come. And you know they probably don't want to come when they accept you. It's like, oh, crap, they've actually accepted. I thought that was hilarious, a little bit about indecent yeah. gestures and then the, uh, the back and forth about that. The byplay uh, just, between and the And then the, uh, oh, great. my God. The best one, and I was thinking about it when we had a family Christmas dinner. Is like it's like you gotta have the right person in the middle seat to carry the conversation. <laughs> and Larry's just like the, they had the one boring friend. is like you're not a middle seater. You're yeah. not a middle seater. Get out of the middle seat. That that is hilarious too. So yeah, overall fantastic season, Chuck. I was laughing quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, like I could I could just listen to the characters go back and forth the entire time. It's so uncomfortably funny and good. Uh, you know, I know it's not for everybody, but you and I have the same warped sense of humor. So we enjoy it. So if you're a Curb fan and maybe you didn't catch this season, go back. I guarantee you'll rip through it because it was so funny. You'll want to keep watching it. Uh, Tom and I definitely couldn't recommend it any more than we are right now. It, it was it was fantastic. So on that note, we will wrap this one up and close the show down. Uh, always, as always, we appreciate every download you, you guys uh, give us to uh, listen to the show. Uh, you know, please support all of the shows on our Bavarian Podcast Works Network. Uh, I think that all of the hosts have been great and offer a lot of different opinions, which is nice. Like, I don't think any of us really agree too much on anything, but 
even when we have a little bit of discourse, it's always done in a classy way because, you know, we're all about class here. So um, <laughs> thanks again for listening. You can get me at the Barrel Block. You can get Tom at Tommy Adam 71 You can get our site account, which Tom runs. He's the best in the business at running a team site account. If it, I would put Tom's job doing that for BFW up against anyone. He's just that good at it. So you can get us at Bavarian FB Works. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN, and you can always get Jake at Jefferson Fenner, though we haven't seen Jake in a while, so we might have to put out a missing report, person's report on him, uh, <laughs> see if we can wrap him back into this. So thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.